0: Family church family
1: thank you so much for being here today what a what a wonderful presence that was in his house today Wow there's was one amen well wow. <laughs> all right all right at this time children's church if you'd like to go I love it I love it. I love it. I love it. Notice how the kids run, but the teacher does not. If you have your Bibles, turned with me to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus chapter 20. And then we're going to flip over to the book of John chapter 15. And by the grace of God, we're going to tie these together today. Exodus chapter 20, we're going to start reading at verse 22, we're going to read through verse 26, then we'll go to the book of John chapter 15. All right, if you have it, say, I got it, that's most of you, I think. Somebody's phone must be buffering. All right. All right, Exodus chapter 22. I'm sorry, 20, verse 22. Exodus 20, 22. Then the Lord said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, You have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make anything to be with me. Gods of silver or gods of gold, you shall not make for yourselves. But an altar of earth, you shall make for me. You shall sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen, in every place where I record my name. Now that is New King James. King James kind of goes along that line. Some of you may have a translation that says, any place i make my name to be remembered any place i cause my name to have a renown any place i have a play any place that i have caused my identity to be in the middle of every place i record my name i will come to you and i will bless you If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it of hewn stone. For if you use your tool on it, you have profaned it. Nor shall you go up by steps to my altar, that your nakedness may not be exposed on it. John chapter 15. I'm going to start reading at verse 1. John chapter 15, starting at verse 1, and Jesus says here in the final stages of His earthly ministry before the cross, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes it away, and every branch that bears fruit, He prunes that it might bear even more fruit. My question to you is, do you trust Him in that process? If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. They gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Oh, but if you abide in me, and if my words abide in you, ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Jonathan, I think there's a common theme here today. By this, my Father glorified by this my name is given renown by this the name is recorded in your life by this I am revealed by this God Almighty meets with you by this God's name shows up in your life that you may bear much fruit and so you will be my disciples. Father God, we love you. Oh God, we love you and we thank you for all that you have done for us. Lord, There's the if we were to stop right now and begin counting the blessings, we'd be here all day. We might even stay through the night. And for some of us, we'd have so many blessings, we'd have to stay through the next day and maybe even the next day and maybe even the next day and maybe even through all of eternity, to be able to praise You. It would take all of eternity to be able to praise You for all that You have done in my life and all that You are doing, continuing to do and all that You're going to do. And so, Father, I pray that You teach us. Teach us to abide. Teach us what it means to remain. Teach us, Lord, how to trust in You. Teach us, God, and show us, Lord, Your ways. God, I'm, I'm just a clay vessel today. I ask that, the Holy Spirit, you would anoint my lips, my heart, and my mind to bring about your word, your will, and your way. It's in the name of Christ. We sincerely pray. And if you're sincere today, would you say, Amen? Amen. Amen. Good. Most of you, then, are sincere, I hope. Which is my prayer, always, as... A pastor that, uh, I would pastor a church that was constantly sincere before the Lord. Sincere in all things, sincere in all ways. and I do believe that is what our God is looking for. I believe Jesus said it this way. God is looking for people to worship Him sincerely, in spirit and in truth. Uh, We we live in a day of, of 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 much cover up and much filter and we live in a day where we seem like we have to always put on our best and you know when it comes to serving God God does deserve our best but if if I'm giving God my best without giving him my true then I've become religious and not relational. And God is looking for not our religious efforts today. He's not looking for our performance. I come from a mindset of always feeling like you have to perform and always feeling like you have to do something to show that you're good enough. And, and a lot of times that leaves us very empty because the bottom line is, We're not, no matter what filter we put on or no matter what we tuck up, pull up or zip up or paint up or or, or dress up, sometimes we realize that that is just what that is. I, the other day last week, I pulled into a parking space and I was gathering my stuff together and and, uh, I was also listening to a podcast that was like two minutes from being over and so I said, well, I'm not going to stop it right now. I'm just going to sit here and listen to this podcast and just listen to it finish up. And as I'm sitting here listening to the podcast and getting my things together before I go into the store, I just happened to see out of the corner of my eye there was somebody sitting in the truck next to me. And the windows were a little bit tinted, so I couldn't see completely. But I could see enough that there was some... Some, some Something going on inside that truck. And I know it's not polite to stare, but I, sometimes you just can't help it. Y'all don't look at me holy like that. Don't, don't look at me like you don't ever do that. Because there are sometimes you just have to go... You know, there's sometimes it's just like, well, what's going on? And, and, and I noticed that the, the person in the truck next to me had their phone and they were doing... We're doing like this, so when, when when I do like that, that means I've got cruddy reception, and I'm trying to see how my five foot two self can get up there and get better reception. It's usually to no avail, but at least it makes me feel better about it. Amen. And thank you, somebody. And so as she's doing like this, I I'm looking and I'm like, what is she doing? And then next thing I know, I see her going. And then she went to this hand and she went, and then she went like this and went, and then she went, and she's doing, oh, I'm not joking for the two minutes that I'm listening to the podcast, I missed the two minutes, because I was completely zoned in on what is this lady doing, and my thought is, is is that her best? I mean, if that's what we're doctoring up, if that's what we're putting out, if that's who we really are at our best, then my thought is is we've gone a long way off-center from where God wants us to be and realizing that's not who you are at your best. You don't have to do that. God knows exactly who you are. And we have here two passages of Scripture, and it's all about giving back to God it's all about responding but it starts with it starts with God telling Moses to tell his people how to handle God how to handle his presence how to be a steward of being God's people How to steward the calling upon your life of being set apart. How to steward His presence in your life. And I really feel like that is part of something that the church has missed out on. Because we can tell you how to do certain things, and we can give you three points in a poem on how to be successful at this or at that. But what I would really want is a church that was successful at stewarding His presence. A church that was successful at knowing how to handle the anointing. Not just here in this service, but in your daily service. Because I've learned the more that you steward God's presence in your life, the transition that He brings you through is absolutely amazing. And that's what we're talking about today. We've been talking about learning how to stay and what that means, well, today I'm probably going to wrap up this stay lesson with how to remain and what it means to do that and how does that tie in with this Old Testament passage that seems a bit archaic. But what does it mean for us today? So if you'll allow me a good hour and a half, I'll get all of I'm just seeing who's going to like, Start gathering their stuff. And, and it's usually, that's when everybody goes, well, it's time to go to the bathroom. Right? And you sneak out. No, if you'll allow me about 30 minutes here today, we're going we're to put these two passages of Scripture together and see what it means for our life today. And as archaic as it may seem, it's really a principle that is revealed in the New Testament. Brother Mark and I were talking about this earlier about how, for some of you who have not been versed too much in the Old Testament, and I understand why, because it's it's full of stuff that, that somehow seems dis, sometimes seems distant, but every principle and everything God does in the Old Testament is Him beginning to record His name and how He does things and Him beginning to put down His glory in a way in which we can somewhat approach it. Now, when I say somewhat approach it, in our own selfishness, we can't approach that. But He's making a way and moving us toward that way as we move closer and closer to the New Testament. And as we see the birth of the New Testament, we see the birth of the new way. This is why Jesus came and said, I am the way, right? I am the way and the truth, and I'm the life, that Jesus came to be that way so that we could then step into that way and then eventually become that way. Turn to ever say, way. Way,. Right. Yes, way. From Genesis to Revelation, God is always in the business of revealing Himself. From Genesis to Revelation, even when men and women were not at their best, He's still there to reveal Himself. Sometimes in sections, sometimes in increments, sometimes more glorious than others, but from Genesis to Revelation, He reveals Himself. He might reveal Himself in how He does something, or he might reveal himself in what he says about something. He might reveal himself in what he does in this earth. He might reveal himself in what he does in his people. He might reveal himself at a time in which no one else in the earth wants to see it, but he has a righteous family who said, I will do what he says and I'll build an ark so that the entire world can see how he reveals himself In an ark. And so on and so on and so on. He begins to reveal Himself in ways where it is a purpose for you to be able to catch it. In fact, if you go from Genesis to Revelation, it is one big circle of God wanting to be caught. God wanting to be known. God wanting to be found. God is... A God who could hide in all of eternity and stand back in a way in which we could never approach or we could never reach. But yet, He comes close enough to us that He gets to be caught. And that He gets to be found. And that He gets to be known. And that He gets to be got. As He gets us. And gives us an only begotten so that we can be his and he can be ours forever you realize that for all of eternity we get to be his forever he gets to be ours forever and if that means there's no end in him then that means there's no end in in me and If there's no end in those things, then there's no end in the revelation of who God is. That's why the Bible says we will begin to know Him as He knows us. And that blows my mind because God knows me pretty good. All right. And part of me is amazed by that. Part of me is scared to death by that. Because when I think I'm getting away with something, okay, let me try this side. That side's holy. This side over here, when I think I'm getting away with something, when I think nobody else is watching, and when I think it's okay to forget who I am and who God calls me to be and I let my guard down, I realize God's there too. God's there too. It's not like God sees me and says, oh, well, hold on. Let me turn my back for a second, and you go do what you need to do. And you know, when you're finished, I'll turn back around. It's not really how God works. That I've learned even in that, God wants to reveal Himself there. God gives Moses this passage of Scripture that just happens to come right after the Ten Commandments. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I need to be a little more political, correct. The ten suggestions. Right. right after God gives Moses these guidelines and principles that if you do them, everything will be good, and if not, it's okay, find your own. Okay, I'm being facetious. <laughs> Those are not ten suggestions. They're ten commandments. They're, they're ten laws. Not Not... Principles, they're laws, just like the law of gravity. You gotta learn to abide by that, and if you don't, your body will. Amen. You can either use it or abuse it. It's there it is. So he gives these ten commandments, and this is about that also same time in which Moses who's been with God and people who can kind of see God at a distance. Now mind you, the same people group that just praised God for setting them free from Egyptian slavery, and the same God that showed up and was a buffer between the chariots of Egypt and and the people of God, and the same God that parted the Red Sea, and the same God that drowned Pharaoh in in that same sea, and the same God in which Miriam took her tambourine out and began playing and dancing, and writing a spontaneous worship song right there on the banks of the sea and joining all of Israel with that. This some hundred and some odd thousand people singing a worship song for this God that just delivered them. And now all of a sudden they're at the base of this mountain and they're tired of waiting on God. So they decide to to make God themselves we can't really see how he is up there because there's this cloud, there's lightning, there's thunder. We, Moses, he's went up and 40 days later, he may not ever come down again. We don't know. So what we're going to do is take matters into our own hands and we're going to try to fashion a God in which we can relate to and I guess they like steak or something because the God in which they fashion is a golden calf, right? And next thing you know, Moses comes down the mountain and they're dancing and celebrating this. And Moses tosses the commandments down and says, Ave. And Moses does what I do, what I would do is, see ya, I'm going back up the mountain. You know, Moses is called back up to the mountain, and God says, okay, here's what you got to deliver to the people. If they're going to make an altar. Here's how it needs to work. First part of this altar experience is this. You let the people know that at any given moment, I'm going to show up in their life. They may not always know exactly when, but at any given moment, I'm going to show up right inside of their situation. I might catch some of them off guard. Some of them are going to catch me because they're pursuing me. But either way, I'm going to show up. Why? Because that's what I've done since Genesis. Why? Because that's what I've done since the birth of the church. Why? Because have you ever read Revelation? The word Revelation is a rolling back to show Himself. That's who God is. Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. Crazy. Has God ever shown up in your life? All right, there's about ten of you. Is anybody else that God's ever just shown up? Here's what I'd say for Yose that would say, "I'm not real sure." The answer is yes. Maybe we were so caught up in that we missed it. I would dare say you look back over your life. There's a reason why you sit here today. There's a reason why, Brother Matt already said, there's a reason why we worship here. Why do we call this a church service? We're here to serve our our Lord. We serve Him today. Because of all the times through the week He served me. All the times He took my shoes off and washed my feet. All the times He knelt down and bent down to me and said, I'm here with you. All the times that He's shown up whenever I was not worth it. All the times that He gave me a blessing and I didn't deserve it. Of All the times that He loved me before I ever loved him of all the times that he had to straighten me up. And all the times he had to correct me. And all the times he had to fill me. And all the times he had to work in my life. Of all those times, I think he deserves a couple of hours on a Sunday to say thank you. Hmm. For some of you that really get it, you'll you'll give him some thanks on a Monday too. And for some of us that are really spiritual, Tuesday becomes a great day to say thank you. And for those who can get past hump day and say thank you, oh, those are the hardcores. All right? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm hardcore. All right? I'm hardcore because I'm going to give God thanks on a Wednesday, right? And Thursday, and so on and so on. God tells Moses, okay, here's how this is to be done. Number one, every place I record my name. Every place I reveal my glory. Every place I show up. Every place that I'm going to let somebody know who I am. Every place. Every place. Now, scholars say this is most likely the reason why when all of Israel would pick up camp and follow the cloud by day and the fire by night, this is how they knew when to stop and set up tabernacle camp. Because God would stop and He would say, okay, right here is where I want to be worshipped. And then at some point in time, He'd pick that up and they'd move on and He'd say right here and so on and so on. But, but, to, but the, the, the roots and the fundamental aspect and principle of that is this. God's always working in your life every day. God's always doing something. God's always at work. God's always in the middle. God's always in the mix. God's always got a plan. God's always in this business of revealing Himself to you. In fact, I would dare say this. Right now, God is trying to reveal Himself to you. God is doing something Right now, to show you more of who he is. So he tells his people, every place, every place that I show up, what I'm doing is I'm calling you aside. Every place that, every place I reveal myself, it's an invitation. To know him in every area of your life. Every place. It's a revealing. Let's take the example of Moses. Moses, who's minding his own business on the backside of nowhere, tending his sheep 40 years later. Forty years after he gets exiled out of Egypt. Forty years after he knows who he is but doesn't know how to handle that. Forty years after he's gone in the backside of Midian. Forty years later, he's minding his own business. And out of the corner of his, of his eye, he sees a burning bush. Right. Turn to your neighbor and say, Bush. Just making sure y'all are still awake. He shows up in a burning bush. And what does he do? But he calls, he draws Moses aside to approach this. What's God doing? He's revealing himself as been watching over you for 40 years. For 40 years, I've directed your path. For 40 years, I've done things in your life you haven't even realized. For 40 years, I've been wooing you and calling you. For 40 years, I've been saying, come here. For 40 years, I've been saying, Marco! For 40 years, it's hide and seek. And for 40 years, I've been sticking my foot out of behind the hiding spot so that you'll find me. You know what I mean by that, right? How many of you have ever played hide and seek with your children? Right? That's awesome. Now it's it's a little harder because there's more of me to fit in tight spaces. Y'all don't supposed to laugh at that. Y'all were were supposed to say, God bless him. So it's a little harder, but the bottom line is, is when my kids were little, I could hide any, I could hide in places they wasn't gonna find me. The whole point is to be found. The whole point is it's really cool to have an embrace and a laughter of, ha, I got you. The whole point is God could hide in places that we could never find Him, but yet, all through your life, my hand has been here. And my hand has been here. And my foot has been there. My foot has been there. I want you to find me. The God of heaven and earth wants you to find him. Now, I realize that in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, I know what was messed up to where we could not get to him anymore. But there was never a law that said he couldn't get to us. And that's what he's doing. Right now, where you are, he's knocking on the door of your heart. Right now, where you are, he's doing some things. He's calling his name out right now. He's saying, Moses, I am. And here's what I've often learned. Is the invitation to see God move in my life is often tipped off by my weaknesses. In those areas of my life that are not up to par those areas of my life I struggle in where I want to hold them back out of shame God says no 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 that's where my greatest invitation is Paul said it this way in my weakness that's where God did his best work in my weakness his grace was sufficient in my weakness he made me strong So if you look at your life right now and you see what's the one area you really need some help in, that right now is God's voice saying to you, that's where I want to work. That's where I want to do my greatest work in your life. That's where you know you need me. That's where I'm going to show up. Moses said I stutter. Moses said I can't. Moses said I don't know how. Moses says who sends me? Moses says how do I do this? And God's answer to all of it is I am. I am. I am. The invitation there. So then next he says God says I'm going to record my name there. There I'm doing a work. So then the next thing is, he says, out of earth or out of stone, you build in response to that. You build an altar. You, you, bring, you, you make a place that's special in your life. Right here. A place of transition where you die and I raise you up. That's what an altar is. It's, it's a place where we build it where well, we meet with God by God's invitation, and to meet with God by His invitation, we must surrender completely something. We must lay it down so that He will pick us up. Does that make sense? It's a full response. It's, it's something that says, I must respond completely to this. I must respond fully to this. Wholeheartedly to this. That's why later the Bible says when they were to bring the offering to the tabernacle or the temple whatever that they must bring a what we call what they called spotless offering an unblemished offering what that really means to us is a whole functional offering That God doesn't want just part of you. He wants... And in that moment, in that invitation of bringing that, what happens is this. In the Hebrew, the bringing of the offering is this phrase called Tachrib Korban. And it means this. After I wipe the spit off my mouth. It means... Bring near the thing that brings near. I know we're like, okay, that means nothing. Bring near the thing that brings near. What that means is there's an invitation for you to come here. And in that invitation, not only are you coming near, but you're bringing something that brings me near. What is that? Well, I know we could get... Ritualistic and legalistic, and say that's sheep and oxen and turtle doves. There are five main offerings. We could go through those. I think we'd miss the point if we did right now. Some of you would be glad to bring your children, some of you would be glad to bring your spouse. What draws near? What draws God near? Psalm 34, verse 18. I'm going to pause for dramatic effect and let you read it yourself. Is God pleased with the blood of bulls and rams? Is God appeased by... Sheep that's given their life. Is God appeased by turtle doves that we've slid across the altar because that's just what we do? Or is God drawing near those who have a broken heart and a spirit that is crushed? What the word contrite means. It means that you're you're crushed in your spirit. You're broken. Those inadequacies, those... Things you know you need help with. Those things that are weaknesses. Those sins in our life. Those mess ups. Those struggles. Those failures. Those I don't know what to do. Anybody in here been, been in that boat lately? I don't really know what to do. Right? How to handle this. God says to tell Mo, or tells Moses to say to the people... It's in that moment that I want you to bring, make this altar, build, construct a place of response. And that place of response is made of stones that aren't hewn. It's a fancy word of saying they're not polished. I didn't take my my hammer and my chisel and knock the rough edges off. Uh, they're, 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 They're whole and they're raw and they're genuine. And they're real, and they're everything put together the way God intended it to be, and not the way I intended it to be. I could spend a long time building what I think I want, and it might not be what God wants. I could spend a long time doing this, and I do. You have to do it here so my double chin don't show. And this helps too, right? Right. I'll oh, turn to your neighbor and do this. I just wanted to see some of y'all do it. Y'all looked as funny as I did. I spent a long time, but God says, "No, no, I don't want you to touch this. I, I don't want. You. It's not about what you build for me. It's about what I can do with what you have." He tells a church in Revelation, strengthen what remains. I want to work in what you have. You realize every single miracle in the entire gambit of Scripture, in the canon of 66 books that we have, every single time God shows up miraculously, it is when He takes what someone has left and does something amazing with it. He takes what remains and shows up to be something more. Maybe a guy wants to do that in your life. And you take these stones that are not. They're not all show, but they're all real. I, I, I would wish that we would always have a worship service that wasn't about show. And it's I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying. I wish that I would always be a part of a worship service that was never about the show but about the reality y'all read what happens in Acts chapter 5 when someone acts like they bring the whole offering but hold back for themselves what they want a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. The sin was not that they didn't bring the whole offering. The sin was that they acted like they brought the whole offering. And because of that, God God took it very seriously. Go read it for yourself, Acts chapter 5, and it'll make you It'll sober you up for sin. To bring near the thing that brings God near. The response, the building. And last but not least, it's then the approach. So, just very quickly, just let me walk you through this and show you what it's like. So, God shows up in your life, and to really respond to the encounter God's given you, it's not just something you think about, but it's something you respond to wholeheartedly with everything that you have. It's a surrender. It's a complete surrender. That's what the death on the lamb, or the oxen, or the turtle—that's what it represented. It represents complete surrender in those moments where God shows up and wants to have an encounter with you. Some of us will not go any further, any more than what we're willing to surrender. So if there's somebody in here that's like, ooh, I just can't get that." there's just there's one little spot, I just, I just can't quite get there, What well, God says that's going to require one more step of surrender. But don't, don't worry about it. it, it it's, trust me, God's got a plan for this. And I can see by the face in the window, I've got to wrap this up. Do you love kids? I love them. I love them. i got to love them because I act just like them. We're closing. God. I says, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to know that, that I'm gonna I got, I got a moment for you to encounter me right here. I I'm, 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 go before you, I'm getting it ready. When you when you when you see that I'm revealing myself to you, I want you to stop right there in that moment, and I want you to bring what is real, what is raw, what is honest, not what's religion, what's religion, but what is relationship. I want you to bring that to me, and I want you to build a place of reality between you and me. And in that reality moment, I want you to surrender, not just part of your heart or part of your life, but the whole heart. Every broken piece, every crushed piece. Take a broom, sweep it up in the dustpan, and pour it on the altar, because that right there is where I want to do a great work. Paul learned this by saying, I die daily. Now, he's not saying this with a frown. He's saying this with a revelation that says, it's okay to die daily because if I surrender daily, then I'm resurrected daily as well. And I've learned that if I'm going to walk this out, I've got to walk it out in the power of His resurrection. And I can't do that unless I do a total surrender on a daily basis sorry when I think about walking in the power of his resurrection I get all excited because because that's where things for the kingdom of God get accomplished and that's where you begin to know God in ways you never have before and so as I build that and I get ready to pour myself surrendered upon that then there's this approach thing which sounds kind of weird when we read it It says, now be careful how you approach it. And don't approach it in a way where you're showing your nakedness. Now, the literal way of looking at this is that they all wore kind of short robes, short kind of tunics back in the day. And they had their little belt that went around it. And I'm hoping that that style never comes back. I'm going to have to start shaving my legs. And that's going to take hours. Well, it says don't make steps up to this altar because obviously it would become immodest. But the deeper meaning to that is this. Don't approach unless you approach through being dressed appropriately. You give me your ashes. Bring that to the altar. And I'm going to make a great exchange where I'll give you a spirit of praise. I'll give you some beauty. I'll give you a garment of praise. I'm going to address you in this weakness. I'm going to cover you Adam, your fig leaf looks good now, but it will dry up, and it will crumble, and it will fall away. What I'm going to cover you with is a life. You read Genesis that God Himself provides the first sacrifice and covers That first big sin by the first sacrifice, he himself chose to address their situation so that when you approach God, you must always approach God dressed. Dressed appropriately. I'm not talking about tuck in or not tuck in, I'm talking about you must approach him through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. You must also approach Him. Even in your heaviness, approach Him with praise. Put that garment on. Even when you're fighting and battling it out in life, put on the whole armor of God. Get dressed. Get ready for a meeting. Dress appropriately. Don't just come any way half heartedly. You come giving your best. And when you do, God has a resurrection moment for you. And a, 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 an exchange where He takes what you've laid down, and it's an altar of, a, it's, a, it's a sacrifice of ascension. He takes what you've laid down. And he consumes it with his fire. So that life that you've laid down now begins to ascend before his throne. And you begin to live like you've never lived before. Pastor Steph, could you come? It was 34 minutes. Y'all okay? So what does that have to do with Jesus saying, I'm the vine, you're the branch? Here's what I've learned in serving God. Here's what I've learned in ministry. Here's what I've learned in just being His. The more comfortable I am to remain in that process, the process of seeking God, Those moments that God wants to reveal Himself in my life. And the more I put myself and trust myself in the hands of the vine dresser, the more fruit I bear in my life. And fruit's a good thing. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, you want to be a fruit. Fruit's a good thing. Spirit bears fruit. It's a good thing. You want that. It's, it's coming to fruition where you didn't just see the sprig come up and one little blossom and then it dies. No, it grows and it begins to bear something beautiful and sweet and wonderful. And you got to learn how to continually put your hand, your life, in the hand of the vine dresser. And trust Him when He wants to pull this out of you and cut it off. And trust Him when He wants to leave you on the vine a little longer than what you want to stay. Because He knows that there's some days that's going to ripen you a little bit more. And trust Him in the moment when He says, now's the time to pull you off. I know right the perfect time to pull you off. Because if i wait any longer, you'll begin to rot. But if I pull you off, I'll turn you into wine, which will get better as the days go on. And Jesus says you want to know the truth, you want to know the reality, you want to know how to handle all of it, is just remain. Remain mine. Remain in me. Just stay, just abide. How many times in seven verses does he say abide, abide, remain, remain, abide? It's the key. It's the key to making it. It's the key to having a successful life. It's the key to where I don't have to do this and try to oppress the world anymore. It's the key where I get to be me. And he gets to be mine. It's the key. It's the key to life. If you'll stand with me as we close, it's the key to seeing some Holy Spirit fruit in your life. It's the key for righteousness, peace, and joy is the key for patience and gentleness and kindness is the key for being able to be fully who God wants you to be it's learning how to just remain in the process of looking for when God wants to reveal Himself realizing that even my weaknesses is an invitation Realizing I don't have to come half-heartedly presenting what looks to be good. I can just come. Realizing that for those that remain, Revelation 3 12 says, I'll write my name in their life. I'll give them a new name it's my name written in their life church of Philadelphia read about it Revelation chapter 3 verse 12 that's what he wants to do in you he wants to record his name in your life so that whenever everybody else recognizes that there's something different in you you have a name to give them abide remain Stay in this process. And I promise you, I promise you, you'll begin bearing fruit and living the life you've always wanted to. Father, I pray for everyone in this building today. God, that you would... May I pray a daring prayer. God, that I would entrust myself to you wholeheartedly so that what you need to prune, prune. What you need to cut back, cut back. What you're going to let grow, let it grow. What you're going to let remain for a few more days, let it remain. What you want to pull off the vine, pull it off. I want to trust you, Lord, is. Every day is given mercy to me so that I can build a new altar. A real, true altar that is spirit and truth. And I pray, Lord God, that as that is laid before You, I pray that You would just consume my life. Consume us, consume our offerings. Consume our good and our bad. Consume it. Consume it, Lord. So that as I get up from that altar, that I would be crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'll live. Yet not I, but Christ is going to live within me. And I pray, Lord God, that You have Your way in our lives today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Be blessed this
0: week. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again. And we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.